Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. I grew up on a, on a small farm, little hobby farm, just a few acres of land in the midst of a dairy uh, area in Minnesota. Our driveway was a half mile long, and our mailbox was at the end of that driveway. So it was just an exercise. We didn't have things like treadmills or uh, anything like that. We just had the thing called going and getting the mail. Um, I am the second oldest of six siblings. There's six of us uh, children. Uh, we were all home educated by my mother. She she taught us and uh, we gave her a doctor degree in teaching because she taught for 30 years to uh, me and all my siblings. She dedicated her life uh, to that. And uh, I am married to my lovely wife, Helen, and we have a one and a half year old, uh, her name's Mariah, and uh, it is wonderful to be traveling with them and uh, I very much appreciate the hospitality that Washington has shown us, and uh, Brother Miller, Pastor Miller, has just done an excellent job of hosting. He's taught me a lot about hosting, he's taught my wife a lot about hosting, and uh, Sister Miller, oh my goodness, what a sweetheart she is. Uh, she is just a wonderful, wonderful woman, uh, has been very kind uh, to our family. This morning, uh, I do feel like the Lord has given me direction for this service. And I do believe that God just has a way of orchestrating things. And when you set your life into His hand, and you let Him lead you and guide, him, guide you, you will find yourself in the midst of what He is doing. And when you're in the midst of what the Lord is doing, it's always awesome. And it is a wonderful thing. And if you if you have your Bible, let's turn to Psalms chapter 63. Psalms chapter 63. I know they'll be putting it on the screen here also. We're going to read just four verses this morning and focus on these and kind of launch off of these. It says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in my name, for thy name. Verse 1 is the focus I'd like to focus on this morning. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. This morning I would like to, to focus on this subject, thirst. I'd like to focus on this subject, thirst. What do you thirst for? What motivates that thirst? And what is that motive? And is that motivation the right motivation? I remember uh, it was not too long ago. I was I was sitting in church, and as I was sitting in church, I realized that I was very thirsty. And I was sitting there, 
And I was feeling a little distracted because of how thirsty I was. I wasn't just thinking, I'd like some water. No, I was thirsty. And the thing about thirst is, when you are thirsty, it is a powerful motivation. There is something about being thirsty that drives you. In fact, as I was sitting there in the church, I, I remember noticing the preacher had some water next to him. And I even contemplated sneaking up there, grabbing that, taking a quick drink, and sitting back down. Not that I would have, but that thought passed through my mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm sitting there thinking about the moment church is dismissed, what would be the quickest path to getting some water? How could I... As soon as the moment of you are dismissed was spoken, how could I go and find that place to quench my thirst? I started to formulate what I would call was my thirst strategy. My thirst strategy. To try to figure out a way that I could quench that thirst. In fact, my desire for that thirst was so overwhelming I don't even remember what the preacher was preaching about. I just remember I was thirsty. And I apologize for even bringing this subject up. Because you're probably sitting there right now thinking to yourself, I wish I had some water. In just a moment, all right? Just a moment. Oh, look at this smart man right on the front row here. Yes. He came to church prepared. But the Bible says in our opening text, Oh God, thou art my God. He's my personal God. He belongs to me. I belong to him. It says, Early will I seek thee, because my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh, it longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now what does it look like for an individual to become thirsty for the things of God? What does it look like for someone to, their soul to just thirst after the things of God? When you get to the point where you are thirsty for the things of God, your mind starts to become distracted on the things around you, and you start to focus on the thing that's going to bring satisfaction to that thirst. You start to formulate that plan of how can I quench my thirst? How can I get to a place where I'm no longer thirsty? How can I get to that place where I am satisfied? And when it comes to our relationship with God, how can I quench the thirst I have for the things of God? It says, early will I seek you. This is something we need to do right now. We can't wait to do this. We can't seek the Lord later. We must seek the Lord while He may be found. We can't afford to wait. This is something that we need to seek after right now. Sometimes individuals will wait until the moment seems right, until everything is right and put in the right place, and, and they even got their own life together. Then they seek the Lord. No, we don't. We can't afford to wait. We must do it right now. We must do the, 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 the seeking immediately. Why? Because we're thirsty. There's something inside of us. 
There's something that is built inside of us to thirst after the things of God. Psalms 119, 174 says, I have longed for thy salvation, O God, and thy law is my delight. I've longed for thy salvation, and thy law is my delight. There's two things that are highlighted in this verse. One is a longing, and two is delight in God's law. There is this, this motivation, there's, there's, this, there's this, uh, this emotion that wells up inside of you, that there's this longing. You could say there was this thirsty for salvation, and there was this delight found in the law of the Lord. We know that I'm so thankful that the Lord has given His law to us in this book. He has given His law to us as instructions and in His commandments and He's given us instruction on how to live and the things to do and not to do and it's all for our benefit to live in this world. And there's this motivation of, of I long for God's salvation and there's delight that is found in the law of the Lord. Now, there's, in Psalms 143, verse 6, the Lord says, after the psalmist says, I stretch forth my hand unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. This is, this is the description of, of that emotion that we were just thinking about, or maybe you're feeling it right now, of, of that desire for something to quench that thirst. There's that strong desire to quench that thirst. It's so, it's so compelling that it motivates us. It gets us to move. It gets us to put into something into action just to quench that thirst. Now, when I, when I, every time I read this verse, I actually think of a picture I once saw of an of a individual. Uh, it, was, it was a cartoon illustrated of, of a man going through the desert reaching for some water. Just, you know, it's it kind of like you could tell that his, his clothes had been worn from the elements of the desert. And, and there was out in the middle of the desert, for some reason, there was this water fountain just sitting there in the desert. And, he, and you could tell it looked like he'd been crawling hand over hand for miles. He finally gets to the point where the water fountain was. Just that desperation for it. Of course, this was a, a Gary Larson Farside comic. And he kind of has a, a darker sense of humor. And, and this, this gentleman in this comic that I saw, this picture of him reaching for that little bit of water, that water fountain. He finally gets there. And there's a sign that says, out of service. Out of service. Now, some, to some that's a little humorous, of the desperation that somebody has. You finally get there, you feel like you're fulfilled, and it's out of service. And, and what I'm so thankful when it comes to the things of God. When we are so thirsty for Him, and we are, we are motivated for Him, and, and we, are, we are reaching for the things of God, I am so thankful that the Lord is never out of service. When, whenever we reach for the Lord, He may be found. Whenever we, we draw closer to Him, whenever we make a step closer to Him, He comes closer to us. It's, it's never a situation that we find ourselves in a desert crawling across the ground looking for some fulfillment. And then the Lord says, I am out of service. That's not the God we serve. 
The God that we serve is, is the one that reaches their hand out for him. He reaches his hand for them. He, we serve a God that cares for us. We serve a God that is concerned about our future. And we, more importantly, serve a God that will quench the thirst we have for him. Have you ever noticed when you get a little thirsty, you can't think about anything else except getting water? That you just, when you're when you're a little thirsty, it's, it's really hard to stay focused. You just you just want to figure out a way to get that water. As Christians, we need to be thirsty people. We need to be thirsty for the things of God. We need to thirst after the things of God. Now, the psalmist in Psalm one, I want to be like what it's described in that first verse of chapter 1. I want to be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in his season. I want to be a Christian that is, that is planted next to the rivers of water so that I am an individual that can always tap into the resources that God has established for us. I want to be like a tree that, that is planted and it is firm and has good root system, but, but is able to reach into the things of God and quench that thirst. Jesus talked about the springs of living water, providing the springs of living water for us in a dry and thirsty land. Ever, whenever you do some hard work, a lot of times we do some sweating or go on a jog or a bike ride or something like that. Afterwards, you want to quench your thirst. You guys have, you guys have nice cool drinks around here? Just something to, to quench your thirst? I once heard a preacher preach about southern sweet tea. He did a whole sermon almost about southern sweet tea. And it wasn't very kind of him because there was no tea after church either. <laughs> but it's quite the science to get the perfect sweet tea. Now around here we've been we've been sampling all the different coffees, which we've absolutely loved. It's been incredible. I found some I like and I found some I didn't like. <laughs> but I even even when you think about thirst, I, I have to think about even like the company of Coca-Cola. The Coca-Cola company in, in the forming of their ads just to sell their Coke. They have a whole manual on how to properly display it in advertising. To write down to the number of droplets of water running down the side of that glass bottle. They, they study the psychology behind it because what they want to do is when somebody looks at that ad, they want to trigger something in your emotion to be thirsty for it. Now, we have to recognize our bodies are made up of three different parts. We have body, soul, and spirit. Our bodies, physical bodies, we thirst for water, naturally. And we need to have water. It's one of our the main things we need to survive. We also have a spirit that thirsts after knowledge. We want to grow in our knowledge and our understanding. But there's also this thing that the Lord has placed in humanity. It's, it's the soul. 
And there's something within our soul that thirsts after the things of God. There's something in our soul that thirsts after spiritual things. I've never seen trees gather around and start worshiping. I grew up on a little farm and used to watch the cows or the goats, chickens. They never had a worship service. But it doesn't matter where you go on this planet, there's something about humans seeking after something spiritual. Why? Because some, there's something inside of us that God has placed inside of us to be thirsty for the things of God. There's something inside of us to seek after the things of God. Humans are the only ones. Now what we find is the, the Amos, the prophet Amos shares with us. He was, he was speaking specifically about the people of Israel at that time, but, but, but the principle that he was teaching applies to us today. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in the same situation. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 says, Behold the day, come and save the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, a famine, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There's going to be a famine, a lack of knowledge, you could say, of the things of God or of the words of God. I'm so thankful for God's written word. God, I love this book. I love the Bible. I love studying it. I love applying it. I love figuring it out. This is what keeps me grounded. This is the book that keeps me on the straight and narrow. This is the book that, that protects me and my family. This is the book that allows for me when I have a, a feeling or a thought or, or some, some situation, I can always go to the Word to know that it is forever established in heaven. I can trust it. But the moment that comes where I'm not engaged in the Word of the Lord, a famine sets in. A famine sets in. Not a famine of bread. And a, and a thirst sets in. But it's not a thirst for water. There is a, a something spiritual that happens. It's a famine of spirituality. It's a famine of, of not having the word. It's a famine of not having the rivers of living water. Verse 12 says, this is what happens when you don't have the word of God. It says, they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Look at verse 12. This hit me just a little differently than it's ever hit me before. I think just because I was out here. Now I know we're in the, the Seattle Everett area right now. But everywhere I go, I see... S-E-A plastered on everything. S-E-A plastered on everything. And I recognize that, that that is the abbreviation for Seattle. I like to think Seattle Everett area. You want to own it yourself. And I understand that Scripture is talking specifically here about coast to coast. But I think this could also apply. That when there is a lack of the Word of God, the people of that area are going to wander from Seattle to Seattle, or Seattle, Everett area. Take it as you, however you want. And they shall run and fro and seek the word of the Lord, 
and they shall not find it. Verse 13 says, In the day shall the, uh, the young ladies and young men faint for thirst. They shall swear by the sin of Samaria, and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth. And the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise up again. Now verse 14 here says that it basically concludes these few verses by saying when there is a famine of the word, people are going to wander around. There is going to be a famine and thirst and they're not going to find the quenching that they are looking for. They're not going to find the need that fulfills and they're going to faint because of it. And they are the same individuals that swear or align with the sin of Samaria. And they're the same individuals that say, my God, or thy God, O Dan. They acknowledge the God of Dan. Now, I don't have time to dive completely into this, uh, the, the details of, of how you draw these principles out, but I, I want to highlight the sin of Samaria and the, the God of Dan. The sin of Samaria was just simply idolatry. It was putting self-will before God's will. It was putting self-pleasure before God's desire. The sin of Samaria was, was seeking after self and self-fulfillment and self-desire before the things of God. And so when you, when you look at the scriptures and you see that the sin of Samaria is, is idolatry and it's putting self-will before God, what we see here is, is when, you, when you remove the word of God out of your life, when a land does not have the word of God, the people will start to wander and they'll start to wander from coast to coast and they will faint because of thirst. They will faint because of thirst. And we will know them because they seek after self-will and self-pleasure and self-gratification and not the things of God. They will wander around in a desert looking for something for fulfillment and they will not find it to the point that they will faint looking for something to satisfy their soul. They will try everything they can and they will faint unless they try the word of the God. They will try the Lord because the word of God activates something inside of our soul. The word of God activates something inside of our soul. That thing that the Lord has established inside of us is that thing that God has put inside of mankind. No other animal creature has ever received that. There's something about humans that are different. There is something that once you start applying the things of God to our life, there is this satisfaction that takes place. And people are searching to quench their thirst. And they are desperate. There is a need for the word of God in your community. There is a need for the word of God in your home. There is a need for the word of God in your life. Because if you do not have the word of God, there's going to be a famine that comes. Not a famine of bread, not a famine of just food, but it's going to be a spiritual famine. There's also going to be a thirst that comes. It's not going to be just a thirst for water. It is different. It is a spiritual thirst. 
pursuing the sin of Samaria, the sin of Samaria is self-will, self-desire, self-pleasure. Now the other thing that's mentioned in 14 is the God of Dan. The God, the God of Dan was a golden calf. It was a golden calf that was erected. It was erected uh, in, in a community and people in that community were told, you can worship this golden calf as a god. You do not have to go all the way to Jerusalem and worship like the Lord has instructed. And what happened is what we see here is, is what I like to say is easy church. Convenient relationship with God. Something that was made easy for your relationship with God. It was, it was a golden calf that said you do not have to travel as far to go see and worship. You do not have to follow all of God's commandments, just some of God's commandments. It was a golden calf that was erected that said you don't have to pursue everything, just what you want. And ironically, both the calf that was set up in Dan, that, that golden God that was set up in Dan, it was idolatry. It was the pursuit of self-will and self-indulgence. It was, it was what I want to do for God, not well, what does God want me to do for Him. It was, I will only give this much of my commitment, but not everything. What we see is in, the, in, this, in that land, that golden calf, and, and it was shiny, I'm sure, and it, it had some bling bling, I'm sure, and it, it probably was very attractive, and it, and it probably looked really nice. And it was probably perfectly put together. But God said, you need to go and worship in the city of Jerusalem. And their sin in the city of Dan was easy church. It was convenient church. The results of putting your own desires before God's word is your soul starts to thirst. The result of, of putting your, your own desires before what God desires is your soul it starts to thirst. And then you start to wander in a desert. You start to wander around in a desert. Now I've never been in a situation, I've only been able to read about it and study it. In fact, I don't even know if I've ever, ever spoken to somebody's had this happen, but I understand when you are in a dry and thirsty desert, you can get to the point, you get so dehydrated, you start to have mirage. You start to see things, you start to believe things, you start to feel things that seem so real and so genuine that you are convinced that that is for real. When you do not have the Word of God activated in your life, you can find yourself in a dry and thirsty land and you start to see things you shouldn't be seeing. You start to believe things you shouldn't believe. What we need is we need the Word of God in our lives to keep us grounded, to keep us sure, to keep us on the right and straight and narrow. God forbid that I ever find myself starting to see things that aren't true, starting to see things that aren't real, starting to see things that I shouldn't be seeing. But when I have the word of God in my life, it starts to quench that thirst. It starts to fulfill that thirst. And I get to be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. And I can produce good fruit in my season. Because that is the will of the Lord. 
My mother, in her wisdom, she told us kids many different times. She says, learn from other people's mistakes. Yes. Learn from other people's mistakes. Now, I was the second oldest. I had an advantage than my oldest. My older sibling, he did everything wrong. And I got to learn from his mistakes. Now, I wasn't perfect, obviously. Well, maybe I was. No. And so, my mom always said, learn from other people's mistakes. And, I, and as you read through the scriptures, you can see great men of the Bible where they made some mistakes. They messed up. They did some things they shouldn't have. And, and, I, and I'm forced to think of the situation about Solomon. Solomon, he fell in love with the things of the world more than the things of God. He fell in love with the, the pleasures of the world more than the things of God. Somewhere along the lines, he lost sight of what was truly right and what truly mattered. He started to withdraw himself from the word of the Lord. He started to withdraw himself from worshiping God Almighty in the way that he was instructed to do it. Now this wasn't just a regular man. This was the leader of the country of Israel. He was the son of probably the most renowned king of Israel, King David. He was considered also to be the wisest of all time. The Lord loved him. And the Lord even used him. But at some point along the line, along his life, he started to withdraw himself from the things of God. And he started to wander, you could say, from, from coast to coast. And he started to become famine and thirsty. And he started to look to and fro. And all of a sudden what we start to see is he starts to partake in the sin of Samaria. And he started to make things convenient for himself. And he started to put his own desires above the desires of God. He started to take pleasures in the things of this world. What we see is when you study it out in Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, chapter 2, the Bible says that he started to search for pleasures to bring self-gratification. Would, he wanted to bring some release to himself. He wanted to bring hope to himself. He, he wanted to bring this, this satisfaction. And it says that he tried building mansions. He's tried building great things. He, he bought land and he landscaped and he tried music. And the Bible says he tried women and he tried fashion and he tried wealth and he went on vacations and, and all these things to bring satisfaction. He tried alcohol. And if they had drugs at that time, I'm sure he would have tried drugs too. He, the Bible says that he, there was nothing under the sun that quenched not his thirst. There was nothing there that brought satisfaction to what was inside of him. Because God made us in such a way to desire something of him. There's something that was deeper. There's something that's always drawing us. There's something that's always pulling us a little closer and closer and closer to him. And in the very end of his life, he said, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanities of vanities. It's all vanity. He's saying it's worthless, worthless, worthless. 
He said, all the stuff I've tried, it's worthless. Because none of it quenched his thirst. The truth is, folks, a bigger house will not satisfy our soul. Relationships will not bring satisfaction to our soul. Fashion does not bring satisfaction to our soul. Working longer hours in the office does not bring satisfaction to our soul. I recognize this is kind of a way of living. We have to have relationships, and we have houses, and we do work, and things like that. But the, the end result, it does not quench the thirst that God has put inside of us for the things of the Lord. I mean, there, there could be wealth in our bank, and there could be 401ks, and we could buy just one more stock, but it's not going to bring satisfaction to what God has placed in our soul. There is only one thing. There is only one thing that's going to bring satisfaction to our soul, and his name is Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the one. Amen. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our God who will bring satisfaction to our soul because he is the great I Am, and he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Lords. He is my Savior and my friend. This man, Solomon, he tried everything to bring satisfaction and ended his life with disappointment. The rivers of living water will bring satisfaction to our soul. Unfortunately, Solomon ended his life not finding that fulfillment that he desired. The thing is, Man has great artificials. They have great um, synthetics that they've created for the things of God. They, they've done all sorts of things to bring that satisfaction. I've I, I heard it said that, that man's chief spirits, they'll never compare to the Spirit of God Almighty. Man's chief spirits will never compare to the spirits of God Almighty. And you know what's interesting? The difference between man's chief spirits and the Spirit of God Almighty. Second Timothy tells us that when you partake in the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have a sound mind. You're going to have a clear mind. You're not going to wake up with a headache. You're not going to wake up confused. You're not going to wake up wandering to and fro. When, when you participate in the Spirit of God, when you let the Holy Spirit of God be activated in your life, it, it quenches this thirst that we have, but it also gives us a sound mind to be able to think clearly, and we can go on with our life in confidence, knowing that we have what God has asked us to do. It's hard to speak about thirsting after the things of God and not bring up the story about the woman at the well. The story of the woman at the well is the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were headed to Galilee. And as they neared Samaria, yes, the same Samaria we just talked about, as they neared Samaria, the city of self-pleasure, the city of self-indulgence, the city that had, they pursued after idolatry, putting their own will before God. As Jesus came by, there was a well that Jacob had uh, dug many thousand years previous. 
And as he sat by the well, he sent his disciples on to go get some food. And as he was sitting there, the Bible says there was a woman that came near unto him to draw water out of that well. And Jesus greeted her and said, would you give me something to drink? Now, I, I find that a little humorous a bit. Because Jesus, he's God Almighty, but he was still thirsty. He could he, he, had, he, had, he had the Spirit of God with him. He was the Spirit of God. He was, he was sitting there. He had everything to quench thirst, and, and he just asked for something physical. Can, can I have some water, please? And when you read the rest of it, it's a little bit more, you, you find that it, it's a little more humorous because he eventually just kind of downs her water a little bit. Kind of says, ah, it's that water, you drink that water, it's not going to quench your thirst. But Jesus, he said, would you give me a drink? And, and it surprised her because he was a Jew and, and she was a Samaritan and, and, and that it was the custom and, and the culture and he was breaking a cultural norm just talking to her. And she, she said, you are a Jew and you ask of me to give you water? She says, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said unto him, or unto her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was that saith unto you to give tree, you would have asked him, would you give me living water? Would you give me living water? And the woman said, who are you? You have nothing to draw any water out. The well is very deep, and you have nothing to draw that water out. And this is a, this well is a special well that was dug by our father Jacob. And Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water out of this well will thirst again. In other words, whoever drinks of the water physically will thirst again. But he that will partake in the springs of living water will have life forevermore. And the, and the woman said unto him, to Jesus, he, she said, Give this water that I thirst no more, neither come hither to draw. Verse, verse 15 says, That woman asked, Well, give me some of that water. You know what I find interesting about that, that scripture? Her motivation was still self. Her motivation was still self-fulfillment. She was saying, I want that water so I don't have to come all the way to the well again. And Jesus was saying, no, I, I am here to not take care of your physical thirst, but I'm here to take care of your spiritual thirst. And he was, he was, he was talking about his spirit living inside. He was talking about the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God living inside of us, it fulfills us to the uttermost. It springs of living water. It's the Holy Spirit of God living and active in our life. Why don't we stand? When you study world history, you study the time of Christ, what we see is the Israelites, they were God's people, God's chosen people, and, and, and the Lord had a plan for their life, but they turned their backs on him. And the way they acted and the things they did, you could tell that they were just became spiritually thirsty. They became thirsty for the things of God, but they were searching in the wrong places. 
To the point they actually crucified the one that could fulfill what they had. They crucified Jesus. You ever notice when somebody's thirsty, they get a little grumpy? <laughs> oh, sometimes you like stuff, you look, some people are looking at the other like, yeah, I know exactly how that is. You ever been in a grumpy church? Pastor said, I hope not. I've been talking about water and quenching our thirst. And I'm just, I just want you to know, I brought some water for all of us. All right, there you go. Holy Ghost. Now this is just a bottle of water. I'm not endorsing this brand. This is just something that Pastor picked up. Maybe he's getting his first or something. It just is water because we need water and we're thirsty. But the point of the message today is, is not fulfilling our physical desires. Even though I know almost every one of you standing here has a physical desire right now. There's something in us that desires something more of So I would like to invite each of you, if there's something inside of you that says, I would like to grow a little bit more I would like to make sure that my life is not an empty desert. I would like to make sure that the that I am grounded and planted by the rivers of living water. If there's something inside of you that says, I am just a little thirsty for more of God. It's something that distracts us, it motivates us. What propels your thirst and motivation? If there's something inside of you, I'd like to invite you to come to the front. We're going to pray. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.